you know, the key to your kid being successful, it's really about creating inner self-confidence. So confidence can be formed in many other ways. How we parent is how they get there. They need us to be their anchor and we can do it. Hey ladies, welcome to season three of B3 Podcast, Boss Babies in Bottles. And for those of you that are new here, my name is Jessica with a Y. I'm a twin mom, wedding and event planner, entrepreneur, and for today, your drinking buddy. May that be coffee or wine, depending on the time of day. Here I get real with you and talk about all things mom life, building your business, and event planning. What I've loved most about my first two seasons with you guys is that I've gotten to meet some amazing women and moms that are just like me, just trying to do their best in life. I've also been able to get super real with you all on my life and motherhood in general. So join me this season as I go through the twins' first birthday and what it's like to be a mom of twin free toddlers. I'll also be having some amazing special guests and going through some of my best wedding planning stories too. So grab your favorite bottle or drink and let's get this party started. Hey ladies, welcome to today's episode of Box Babies and Bottles. Today we have Miss Dr. Roseanne Capana Hodge. She is a mental health trailblazer. She's the founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health and media expert who is really just changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Her work has really helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions like ADHD, anxiety, mood, uh, Lyme, and pans and pandas using proven holistic therapies. She's often featured on dozens media outlets. So thank you so much for really just joining us today on B3. Well, I'm so glad to be having this conversation about kids' mental health and parenting because it's a hard time out there. And I think that if we can do little things we can create some change for people to sort of alleviate that stress because there's so much people can do. They just aren't aware of it. And, and this is such a weird time that the world is in. So this is, this one's good. So, I mean, I guess just start off telling us a little bit more about yourself and the global Institute of children's mental health. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a therapist, a psychologist, and of course a mom, and uh, I'm actually a special needs mom, but long before I had my own kids, this is my 30th year of mental health. I've been supporting kids and their parents and also working with educators and organizations, really just trying to create a conversation and give people actionable tools and tips. Cause I think that's a missing part. Like we just are not helping people understand, you know, how the brain works, how we can create ch- change for our kids in an ever increasing stressful world, but also kids today, you know, 50%, of kids born in the U.S. will have a physical or a mental health problem. It's 54.2. It's going to be a lot more after the pandemic. Um, And it's scary when you're Mm -hmm. a mom, when your kid is typical. (laughs) And if your kid has any level of difficulty, which really the majority of kids right now are having at least considerable amounts of stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in right before the pandemic, In January of 2020, I formed the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health because I am so worried about what is happening. And I'm just worried that we're having a trend towards increasing problems, increased medications, increased um, psychiatric conditions and medications, but no alleviation. And poor parents are like, please give me a lifeline, help me out. And that's what I'm all about. Yeah, uh, that gave me goosebumps as you're talking about it, because it's, it's so true. And it's such a crazy world we live in. So, I mean, why are kids so unfocused, unmotivated? What's happening? And, and what can parents do? 
you know, we talked about kids, you know, with clinical issues, and there certainly are more kids born today with ADHD, autism, anxiety, depression. This is not because of better diagnostics, people. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm going to tell you the diagnostics are probably just as bad today as they were 30 years ago, which is shocking. Um, And, and, and when, what does that mean? It means that parents don't know what the signs and symptoms are with kids. And we could talk about that, but medical professionals are missing. And we're also using um, grades as a benchmark for mental health. And you should never be like, well, my kid's a straight A kid. So he can't have anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts. I'm going to tell you that is one of the biggest missteps that parents make. And, you know, so why are kids so unfocused? Well, we're coming out of this pandemic. Kids have done virtual learning. Everything has been a complete disruption for them. They don't have the same routines. Mm -hmm. Their parents are working from home. They're not in school in the same way. Um, They don't have the sports in the same way. They're not socializing in the same way. And kids have really had a hard time. And, you know, some kids did okay with virtual learning, but most teachers were not trained to give virtual learning. And Sometimes when I hear about, you know, I work with people all over actually the world, but you, you get to hear how it's being delivered, Jessica. And you're like, what was that teacher thinking? Like, how is that helping that kid? Right. Uh And so kids don't even have an opportunity to raise their hand. Like they would in a class and ask like, Hey teacher, I'm having a hard time with these fractions. Can you help me out? They have to like write in, you know, how is that helping? So, and then sometimes I feel like even, even us, when we do Zoom meetings, yes. we miss things as adults and we, or we, you know, we're like, oh, what just happened? What was just said? You know, so I can't even imagine a, a kid sitting in front of a computer for the day. Yes. And the lights and then also just having to be so present and, you know, they're sitting, they're yeah. sitting for hours where in the classroom, they get up, they move, they do this, they go and get that. And so there, all of those things and the sitting and the delivery method has made kids be really unfocused and unmotivated. As we, January came in, in 2021, that is all I heard. I, from every level of age levels, income level, grade level, like you name it, every kid was like, Oh, you know, I mean, don't you feel like when you do a lot of Zooms by the, by hour three, you're like, oh, yeah. my brain hurts. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. As an adult, it's not, it's not effective. So I, I can't even fathom what it is to have children. And I said it, I said it a few different times and, and I mean, it was good for us. I was like, I'm so glad I have little kids like newborns that are not in school because right. I cannot imagine what that's like for them, for me, I don't even, I didn't want anything to do with it. (laughs) And so how do parents counter it? Right. So you got to incorporate exercise and movement into Mm -hmm. their day. Like we cannot be sitting. So like, whether that's a timer that goes off every hour on the hour, there's Mm -hmm. some great exercises that you can do. You can get up and you can do some basic yoga movements. You can do a downward dog. You can do a crescent stretch where you move to the, you know, the straight up, then a little to the left, a little to the right, because we're also getting that classic tech neck Mm -hmm. where our neck 
is crunching up. Mm -hmm. We're going to reduce the oxygen to our frontal lobes and we're not going to be able to think as clearly, right? That's the other part of it. Besides logical, hello, we're not moving, which also gets frontal, you know, oxygen to the brain, neurotransmitters start working the right way. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot working against kids. And then on the, on their downtime, Jessica, what are they doing at lunch? They're getting on their devices to play games. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I mean, they're not getting anything and it's hard because for parents, it was like, there was no school, no activities, Yeah. but the parents still had to work all day. Yeah. Then when everyone was done working, I mean, and, and you know what, and I shouldn't say this entirely, but obviously the parents tired. So do they want to even do activities with the kids at that point? Absolutely. I did see see a lot of people during quarantine and I say see, because I mean, COVID, I mean, we're all stuck at home, but I live in one of these neighborhoods where like, People got up and, and went out with their kids and everybody yeah. did all little social distancing activities and, and whatnot. And I really hope I actually t- I said it to my husband a few times. I really hope that people keep doing those even now that we're starting to go back um, and be all together. But I did see some of that, but I can imagine like how crazy it must be. I love and you, you talk about like getting up every hour. I love my Apple Watch for that exact reason. I have it to tell me if I've been sitting, which it barely does. Thank God. I mean, with kids now, I'm barely sitting for a whole hour in a row. But before you and it still tells me even yesterday it went off and I was like, oh, it's time to get up. Even if I go to the bathroom, grab water, move around, whatever. I just, you know, that whole movement. So I, I do think that that's that's key. Even it's for- great. And, you know, there is a Fitbit type of yeah, device for kids mm. called Explora with an X. Oh, okay. And it's great technology and they've gamified it so that kids can, you can get competitive as a family oh, and awesome. it's a wonderful, wonderful device. Yeah. Um, and that's I do that with X. my watch. I love my watch. Yeah. I have it on the rings and yeah. I love but to see what I do. Absolutely. I can't imagine. Even if you just set your phone to go off, right? But, you know, kids now, what I love about Explorer with an X is that it's gamified so that you can get, you know, maybe your 10-year-old or your 15-year-old, you know, like kids that are harder, but kids respond to structure and routine. And that's why they fell apart in the pandemic because they didn't have it in the same way. I was never more grateful to send my my one of my two kids to a private school because he didn't, they never missed school. They just went and they always, uh, this year, they never missed one day of school this year and they were in person. And just to have that structure and routine and he's a kid that does really well in school, but did terrible virtually. Yeah. I mean, terribly, like this is the kid that is the rule follower is easy. He was even sneaking in his iPad when I wasn't around. But I can't, I can't, again, I cannot imagine how we're, we expected these children to be focused as adults. We don't focus. So how the, no. do we expect and the teaching them? wasn't dynamic, yeah. right? It was like teachers were trying. She also to didn't know what she was doing more than well. Yeah, here, she here. was trying her best. You know what I mean? They were, they didn't know they weren't prepared for this. And many hardly, you know, what the crazy part about this is like hardly any school districts got their teachers 
in the summer between school years, they didn't get their teachers training in how to do. They just thought, I guess that it would all go back and and then came and it hit them like a, like a pot of bricks. And I'm like, well, what did you guys expect? Hello? (laughs) Absolutely. It was kind of, it was kind of cuckoo. Right. And then COVID outbreak here. No, we got to go back to virtual. No, we got to do this. No, we got to do that. I'm like, I'm like, you guys don't know what they're doing. And and again, nobody knew. They're trying their best. It's the wild west out there. You know what I mean? Uh, For sure. As parents, I love that. Like, how do we keep our kids uh, focused and motivated, getting them active, getting them to do things? And yeah, it's a little bit more work on on a parent. Of course, it's not ideal. But we benefit. You know, but of course, the, and just our, like and your neighbors, benefit, you know, right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. What's this impact though of all this technology to our children? Because they're, they're now more in it yeah. than we were. Yeah. And you know, I, out of all the things people ask me about, um, the impact of technology is one of the most common questions that parents will ask me about. Right. And so, because they're worried for a lot Mm -hmm. of reasons, one, they see their kids getting sucked in Two, we didn't have technology like that. So because we didn't have technology like that, we just don't have that in our background. We were like, we're riding our bikes. We were doing this. We were going over our friend's house. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same. Right. So how can technology, how, how in ways can it be good? How can it be bad? So first of all, what does the research says? So the research says the more passive the technology, like scrolling, YouTube watching, the worse it is for our mental health. So there's a direct link between passive engagement on on devices Mm -hmm. and poor mental health. Now, the good news Mm -hmm. is that the more interactive, the more social you are with with your technology, so you're doing things like Discord or FaceTiming or group chats, the better your mental health is. So if you're doing, if you're interacting, your kids are interacting with their friends mm-hmm. on devices, their, their mental health is actually benefiting from it. If they're doing group gaming, it's okay, right? If they're solo gaming the whole time, not yeah, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're watching three hours of YouTube videos, which hello, our kids will sit there and watch like the stupidest YouTube videos. Like, I see the kids and they, they... They know what they're doing. They and yeah. they're little to me. I'm like, how do you know which way to swipe? What to click? I just, it's, I don't even know what to swipe or click. Right? Sometimes. They just yeah. pick it up so fast. But I'm more concerned about, you know, what are they missing? Right? Mm-hmm. So they're missing out on socialization. Of course, they're missing on getting up and moving their butts. Mm-hmm. Right? They're missing out on other activities like Mm -hmm. art and creative things. And they're really missing out on hand-eye kinesthetic learning. So they're not physically doing things which develop the brain. That's what I'm concerned. So you have to have limits on your technology. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the part where people struggle. You'll, You'll see, Jessica, when your kids get older, even the easiest kids, I have two boys, they're very different one kid, I'm like, okay, here's how much we use technology mm-hmm. to uh, mo- give them Wi-Fi time. So they have a certain amount of Wi-Fi time every day. When it runs out, that is it. The only way they can gain Wi-Fi is by doing physical chores. My husband has them like moving wood and bricks and dirt and, you Hell know, yeah. Yeah. 
Get them out there. Get them. Get them out there. We stopped getting the long. Well, if service. they don't know what it is to do hard labor, and I'm absolutely I'm, I'm firm, you know. And again, I know everyone has their own opinions, but I knew what it was to do hard labor. So absolutely. I appreciate working in an office. <laughs> Sometimes I know what it's like. You have to learn to use your hands. You got to learn to use your brain. You got to yes. learn to use both. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's good to do that. You know, I grew up as a daughter of Italian immigrants and my parents were do it yourselfers. They had properties. They, we, me and my sister, not my brother, me and my sister in the Italian and Spanish cultures, it's, it's your son. And then it's Jesus Christ. And then it's the girls. So my brother was the, the primo. He doesn't even know how to change a light bulb. Oh, what? Right. But my sister and I, we were painting apartments. Mm-hmm. We were doing stuff. We were making wine because uh, we're, you know, my, my parents made their own wine and we were doing that till midnight and sleeping on the floor in the wine cellar. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I wish I learned how to make wine in a wine cellar. Oh, hello. <laughs> we make good wine too. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, really Yankee wine is grapes. probably one of my favorites. Yeah. I yeah, love it. It's all I about the grapes. Company, yeah. I know people's homemade wine, people go, ugh. But we used to get really good grapes. So it's crazy because me and my husband were uh, real quick in New Zealand, Australia for our honeymoon. And in New Zealand, we met this, we met a group of the people that just lived there. We went to a winery and they also come to the winery and hang out. And they invited us to their home, which here in the States is probably a little awkward for random people to go to their home, but it wasn't over there. So we go to their home and he shows us all this wine that he makes and he gave it to us. I was like, this is the most phenomenal. He made everything by the way. Like this wasn't even like the one thing he made. No, he had bees and he had his greenhouse and he had his wine and all this kind of stuff so homemade New wine Zealanders really value um everything food and all that their regular food is like our organic food they don't yeah. allow any junk in their foods my yeah. one of my two best friends one of them she lives in New Zealand so oh. I talk to her every day I get to have that cute accent every day on my on well, my this man was like in his 70s 80 early 80s for sure That's and so he cool. was still he was still getting his own meat off the like this hill, oh, he would point yeah. to me like that's where I get all of my sheep, cow, bum. and I was like, yeah. "Is that amazing?" It's it's mind boggling because we don't live like that. Well, and look at this, look at this. If we tie it back, right? So my dad's eighty three, and he thinks like most people that are sixty or old, and he'll like tell them, "You're old." It's about moving. It's about moving <laughs> and keeping your mind engaged. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, you can't tell that guy that he's old, and I'm like. He doesn't care. I guess when you get, you know, you get to be old, you don't really care. He's 83 years old. He still get down on one leg with his other leg out because he is physically active. And that's what happens. Like his brain doesn't age in the same way. So whether it's our kids or our grandparents, we know the key to brain health is movement, what you put in your mouth. Mm-hmm. How about what you say to yourself, yep. right? Because we're talking to moms here. Moms, we're awful to ourselves. Yeah, we've, we we've are... all heard it. The, our biggest critics are ourselves. The ones who we talk to the most is ourselves, you know? Yes. Yes. We're so rough on ourselves mm-hmm. and um, we need to be kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to say good things to ourselves for mm-hmm. ourselves, but yeah. also so that we're role modeling that for our kids. You know, these kids are really, really struggling today. And we're sort of in this negative, again, before the pandemic, kids are really, they, they're thinking they have to be perfect 
And if they're not, something's wrong with them. If they don't have straight A's, there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. If they're not going to the top college, there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And we're just sending this message out. And instead, what we're getting is these kids, like I rarely meet teenagers and college kids who are not on a medication or struggling with mental health. Like this is what we're setting up our society. I mean, before the pandemic, one in six adults in America were on a psych med. Mm. What is it now? I'm not opposed to medication, but we're sending the wrong message. We're really not teaching people. Guess what? You've got to find coping skills. Mm -hmm. You got to change your damn life and you got to do some work. Yeah. 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 And you have to learn with whatever was given to you. Yeah. I'm I'm always, I always tell people, I'm like, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I sure know you have to be self-aware. You need to know what's wrong with yourself. And then you need to learn how to cope with yourself when you do yeah. those things. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is, you know, life Jessica, is mm-hmm. today, I mean, what are some of the biggest trends I've seen with kids in these 30 years? I'm going to tell you besides the astronomical increase in autism, like when I started 30 years ago, it was like hardly an autistic kid today, one in 37 boys has autism. The other thing that I see, and you, you really led me into this is that kids today have zero stress tolerance. They do not know how to handle if they run out of their favorite paper, Mm -hmm. they get an A minus, they didn't get picked as the captain or somebody rejected them when they asked him out. Yeah, they, they don't know how to tolerate little and big things. Mm-hmm. And parents are so worried about their kids' stress levels. They come in and rescue them instead of saying, mm-hmm. okay, that kind of sucked. How are you going to handle that? That happened to you last time. What did you do? Great. Fantastic. I loved how you handled that last time. Let's, let's figure out how we can apply that today. Yeah. So we have to letting them problem solve, letting them, letting them figure things out. A rejection, I think is huge for sure. A lot of people don't know what rejection is at all. And, and also letting them actually feel uncomfortable being a kid. We have to learn what it feels to feel grief, what it feels to feel sad, what it feels to be upset. And then we know how to regulate it because as the big things happen, we're able to handle it. So why did so many people, adults and kids fall apart in the pandemic without really, you know, major life stressors to me, major stress life stressors in this pandemic is a parent who lost their job, a death of somebody, a major loss of income, right? Mm -hmm. To me, those are huge life stressors. A lot of people in the, the world experience, but many people were able to keep their income, um, didn't have a, a death. We do have 40,000 U.S. children that lost a parent in the pandemic. Uh, I think that's really significant. And these 40,000 children are going to be filtering into our school systems and um, we need to support them. We have to get kids to really be awesome at managing these uncomfortable feelings. So that way they, this is their practice and we can't just rescue them all the time. They're not problem solving. They're not learning. I thought about something when we were chatting before about like what we say to ourselves and what we say to our kids. Sometimes we, we all do this and we'll say something like, oh no, he's this or she's that. Right. So even this, there was this morning it happened and I keep telling my husband, we have to fix this. My daughter was trying to squeeze through the wrong exit hole. 
of her playpen. <laughs> and I, and he was like, oh, she's so stubborn. And I'm like, no, she's determined. <laughs> and we have to tell her that she's a determined person, yes. a stubborn person. And so the way you say things to them is what they think they are, you know? Um, and, and look how powerful that little tweak was, right? Um, so, you know, we, I have a community called Raising Successful Kids and, and I have something called the CHAMP technique. And in the fifth part of CHAMP is P positive mm-hmm. and shifting your language and shifting how you even present visual images. Like I see you doing this, right? So I love that. So then I guess let's talk about how stress is different from anxiety and OCD and what's the difference. Yeah. So, you know, stress is something everybody experiences mm-hmm. and we have a system in our body called the autonomic nervous system and it regulates our stress responses. And when we're in a relaxed state, we're in a parasympathetic state. When we're in a stress state, we're in a sympathetic dominant state. And the more we get ourselves down into this relaxed parasympathetic state, which I call it the hot tub state, Mm -hmm. the more we get down into here, we don't experience stress in the same way. Like we are almost essentially stress inoculated. Our brain and our body just doesn't react to things. The more stressed we are in the sympathetic dominant, the more we actually experience stress Mm -hmm. and we're more likely to react. So chronic stress can lead to clinical anxiety. And, you know, what is clinical anxiety? What is OCD? They're different, but clinical anxiety is when you have a significant impact in your daily life from worry, irritation. You have these, these symptoms that get in the way of like either school or work or relationships, or even how you live your day to day. And, OCD, which is one of the most misunderstood and missed mental health conditions that I can think of. And I do a lot of specialized work in OCD with kids with um, uh, infectious disease onset called PANS um, Mm -hmm. and PANDAS. But what, what is it? So it typically starts with anxiety. It typically starts with a worry that gets out of control. So somebody has a worry and it doesn't have to be anything real. (laughs) It can be totally irrational and often is with OCD. And the next thing, you know, they developed a thought pattern. They start having intrusive thoughts or they develop compulsive behaviors to what we call is a maladaptive, like a a way that's unhealthy to Mm -hmm. cope with that anxiety. The problem with OCD is that once the brain kind of globs onto, oh, well, if I think that I have a thought that if I, it's not going to rain today, I won't be anxious. And this is true story. I mean, I have all kinds of people with weather fears. And so then all day they're like, it's not going to rain. So I'm not going to be anxious. And the brain, it ignites really reinforces that thought pattern. It's called a negative reinforcement cycle. And OCD, you have to have intrusive thoughts or compulsive behaviors. Everybody always thinks of hand-washing, but intrusive thoughts is more common. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have them an hour or more a day. And just like anxiety, it has to get in the way of your life. But OCD is easily missed unless you're going to a highly trained OCD expert. Cause I have one of my little cousins that ha- got this and it happened a few years ago, but yeah. he got this like anxiety, like he had to, cl- he, everything had to be clean. 
and his hands had to be washed and it was, it was just a constant thing of cleaning and it's gotten better with age, but um, obviously they had to take him in to, to also get some help because it was, it was getting pretty bad. And it's easy for it to get out of control. You know, it really, really is. I mean, that's the, that's what happens with OCD that, you know, it can be something that a thought or a behavior that just spirals and ignites Mm -hmm. and it's very treatment resistant unless you go to an OCD specialist, you waste your time going to a therapy therapist who just deals with general issues or anxiety, because there's very specific types of treatment. I know at our center, we work with people in person and virtually all over the world. And we do a combination of neurofeedback, which calms the nervous system paired with a very specific type of um, therapy for OCD called ERP, which is exposure and response prevention therapy. So it combines like in your nephew, exposing them to their fears in a safe environment and then reinforcing them to be able to tolerate it. That's how you break the cycle. It's back to the coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and how can we be, be better parents? Like how can we help our children just really build that good mental health through the years? Yeah. I mean, we, I talk so much about this in my um, raising successful kids community and, you know, I use this champ technique and, Really, ultimately, you want a parent to get your kid to be autonomous and teach those coping skills. And it's it's a balance, right? So a lot of parents, we want our kids to just do what we tell them, but we want our kids to think on their own. We want them to be independent. We don't want our kids to say yes to everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, because then they're not sure of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we make this investment, like I have one kid that's easy and I have another kid that's like literally put on this earth to humble me. And (laughs) he is a really hard kid to parent. Is that the second one? That's the first one. Really? The first one, which is why there's a six-year age gap. Oh, okay. There we go. Almost six years. And um, the second one Honestly, I understand why people have six kids. When yeah. when he came out, I was like, oh my God, he just says yes to everything. He's so mm-hmm. pleasant. I mean, he definitely says no. He's a 90, he's just like his dad, 99%. Fantastic, great, thank you. But the 1% they say no, forget about it. You're not convincing them. Like my husband's like, we will never go to Mexico. And I'm like, okay, so that means we'll never go. But mm-hmm. if I said, hey, let's go to Paris, he'd be like, okay, you know what I mean? So I can't really complain, you know what I mean? So, but my older son, you know, he just was that kind of kid. You have to front load, you have to meet him where he's at. You have to give him all these things. But I had to work a hundred times harder to teach him to have coping skills. But at 16, when other kids go off the rail, Mm -hmm. it's finally coming together, Jessica. Like everything, all that hard work and teaching him how to be autonomous, Mm -hmm. um, is paying off because he is sure of himself. He, he is a good decision maker. He's not going to do the same things. He's not going to follow. He really is comfortable with being who he is, you know, and that's how, what parents, that's what teaching your kids to be independent and autonomous is. It's a bit of front loading, but in the end, it's so much easier to parent your kid like this. I, I promise you. <laughs> no, I, and everything starts when they're young, you know, and we yeah. hear that it, that's the truth, you know, the younger and the, and the more you're into it, you know, and it's hard because obviously, you know, as parents, you know, we're tired and there's so much going on. Yeah. You know? 
But um, but it's true. It's the younger the better. Yeah, the younger the better. But also, if your kid's twenty three, it's not too late. I get kids who are stuck. And they're in their late teens and they're in their twenties. We call them the failure to launch. We specialize in a lot of kids like this and their kids that might've been doing well or not well, whatever it happens. It's sort of like, what do I do? They're stuck. And then every, the parents get stuck and they don't know there's another way to kind of shift things, right? They keep looking for a magic bullet. So no matter what age your kid, no matter what difficulty it is, you've got to get started in teaching them coping skills. It's quite dramatic how you shift your language, how quickly things can turn around. This is always a very interesting topic to me. And this will be my last question to you. Yeah. But what are just like some natural therapies and remedies? Because I'm, I'm all for the holistic if possible, you know, for sure. Yeah. Well, I just wrote my book called It's Going to Be Okay, which by the way, while we were talking, I just got notice from uh, the Trademark Association that I officially own the trademark to It's Going to Be Okay. How cool is that? Um, But it's all, I am somebody who teaches parents how to use natural but science-backed ways to reverse and reduce mental health symptoms. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a clinical issue, but it can be clinical issues. And it's shocking, you know, in my book, it's going to be okay. I have 40 pages of research citations that just so parents can be like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I didn't know that this supplement improved attention. Oh, I didn't know this supplement uh, changed my an anxious brain. This type of exercise does what? So for me, it all starts with breath work. And, you know, I talk a lot about breath work because it's free. <laughs> it's easy mm-hmm. and it's accessible. I mean, really pretty much even mm-hmm. a toddler can learn how to breathe. And what does it do? Well, if we go back to that autonomic nervous system, which regulates your stress response, it gets your autonomic nervous system in line. And when you're, when you have calmed that nervous system down, you're just not going to be as reactive to things. That is exactly what we want. We want our nervous system to be calm and relaxed. And so the deep breathing as I just decided to take two, it always makes me feel better too. Um, it does, right? We don't realize, I think, how much we hold our breath sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so that's always been something that I always try to tell myself, especially as a lady. I'm just like, I need to take deep breaths. <laughs> well, you're a mom of twins. Like, you know, it's already with little kids. Like, it's so different when your kid is really little. Not that we don't always worry. Trust me, we do. But yeah, when your kid is really little, they need you. They need you for, you know, to wipe their butt, get their food, do that. You know what I mean? Like it's a very different level of need. And your brain is constantly in that mode of what do they need? Mm -hmm. And not to say when you have a five-year-old and you're not still doing it, but they're independent. You know, my kids were doing stuff on their own at five and we raised our kids to be real independent. We got them cooking before they were walking. Mm -hmm. And, um, by the time my boys were five, they could cook, like really cook. Yeah. Use knives, use the stove with supervision, but they were very independent. (laughs) And that's, that's the key to life. And I think that as parents sometimes like when they're really little and they rely on us for everything, some parents are like, oh my God, I can't wait for the day that they don't. And then when they don't, you're like, I want to go back to the days that they do. Exactly. It's, it is, it's from the beginning. And, and, you know, in Spanish, um, I have my, my husband, uh, well, both of our families are are Hispanic, but his aunt told me something before the babies were born. 
And she said, obviously in Spanish to me, and she goes, los niños son prestados, which means, you know, our kids are lent to us. That's a direct translation, which just basically means that we have them for a little while. We're here to, to teach them, to, to, you know, to nurture them, to obviously help them. But then after that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like you're still there, you're still their parent, you're still to guide them. But eventually, you know, the whole point of parenting is to teach them to be on their own successfully. I mean, absolutely. That is our job. It, our job is for them to be independent, happy, and healthy kids. Our job is not to get them into Yale University. Oh. Like not everybody is going there, people. They need to get get a grip. You And, you know, the key to your kid being successful, right? And this is why I created this community is that it's really about creating inner self-confidence. So if you don't believe in yourself and you don't have confidence, Mm-hmm. And confidence can be formed in many other ways. I talk about honing in your, your kid's skills. That's my H and the champ, champ technique. Your kid's not going to be who they should be if they yeah. don't have that inner confidence and inner resilience. And how we parent is how they get there. It's not anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are p- things that can fill that cup, but they need us to be their anchor. And we, ha- we can do it. I promise you can. I, I'm all for that. So, all right. Lastly, this wouldn't be the Boss Babies and Bottles podcast if I didn't ask you what was your favorite drink or bottle? Probably green tea. <laughs> really? That's something I don't think I've ever actually, I mean, I've tried it obviously, but not yeah. like, you know, never been been on yeah. that wave. I like, I like green tea, a brand called Numi, N-U-M-I, and it really wakens up your frontal lobes. Oh. It gets you to think I have it every morning. Oh, gets me to think, you know, as long as I, I have it in the morning, but I can't have anything like that at night. I need to learn to not think so I can go to bed. <laughs> That's right. I hear you. Oh, give myself the turn off. Um, so thank you, doctor, for joining us. I was super excited to have you on and talk about children's mental health, especially in the times that we are living in. So thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you. And, you know, all my parents that are out there, it's going to be okay. You, you got this. Thank you, as always, for your love and support. The Breathe 3 Podcast wouldn't be anything without you. Make sure if you haven't already, please subscribe and review the podcast. And make sure to look me up on Instagram at ebjevents or canal.twins to stay up to date on upcoming special events and exciting announcements I might have. See you on the next one.